Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered. Everybody, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Dangerous Dinners Podcast, episode 29. A tour through the back streets of the best and worst takeaways delivering to us tonight. Um, no messing around today. We are keeping things rolling. So, the guest coming over to my house tonight to drink copious amounts of white wine is Mr. Ian James. He is one of the UK's best songwriters. Um, he's worked with Emily Sunday. He's worked with One Direction. He's worked with Little Mix. He was the vocal coach on The X Factor. He was also in a pretty famous boy band uh, growing up that you might have heard of. More of that later. Um, he's basically just a songwriter to the stars and has written every good song you know. So, do you know what? No messing around today. If you like what you hear, scroll down, give us a like, comment, rating, review, all that good stuff. And this week, we're joined by Ian James. The Dangerous Dinners Podcast with your host, Tom Green. One celebrity guest, one spin of the roulette wheel, and a tour of the best and worst takeaways, which are delivering to us tonight. What will it land on? We let fate decide. Upper grabs today, we have the poorly reviewed Kansas Fried Chicken, everybody's favorite, Lahore Karahi, and if it all goes wrong, Pizza Palace. But before we do that, it's time to meet our celebrity guest. They're famous, they're funny, and they just arrived downstairs. It's time to bring them up. Please welcome. It's Ian James, everybody. <laughs> Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Sorry, I'm just taking a sip of wine. The last time I drank copious amounts of white wine on this podcast, it was with James Newman, and it was the drunkest episode I've ever had. Yeah, that's probably not surprising. Let's see if we can outdo that. Let's see if we can outdo the James Newman episode, which was, it, from my memory, was halfway through the Euros as well. So he stayed on after the show, and we watched the football and got quite drunk. That would have been interesting just because of James's lack of football knowledge. So I don't know how you did that, but... Because you're quite friendly with with Newman. Uh, yes, romantically, emotionally, <laughs> physically, yeah. We're, we're, we're very good friends. Um, yeah, we've we've done a lot together. <laughs> that sounds weird, but... I, I love music, we've done a lot of music together. When you came into that, you were like, I've heard the Newman episode, Tom. I've heard the Newman episode. You, you listened to James's episode... And you listened to the Peter Finch golf episode. I did. I did. Um, and I well, preferred Peter Finch's. Understandable. <laughs> Great golfer, man. <laughs> good golfer. Yeah, very good golfer, actually. And you are our second guest to ever come on the podcast and bring gifts. Well, I listen, my mother taught me at a very early age, you cannot turn up to anybody's house without bearing some form of gift. So I bought you two shit bottles of white wine <laughs> they're all right i think shit stroke average i think mm. i was going for shitter but the guy at the off license sort of said these are really good he upsold you yeah and he kind of did me a deal on two so oh wow yeah there you go so you work with you work with um, my girlfriend and that's how i know who you are i believe so yes um what's your day been like today where have you i like it when people come directly from a session but it sounds like you've come from a boozy session today. Um, I haven't come from a session, unfortunately. Um, even though I'm s I'm such a hardworking songwriter, I <laughs> haven't come from a session. I uh, I started my day. Okay, I'll give you a breakdown. I'll yeah. give you a proper, honest breakdown of my day. I started my day by nailing chicken wire 
to my front gate so my new puppy couldn't run out into oh. the road. Wow. Um, and kill herself. Oh, so no. that was quite stressful. Um, and I thought as I was doing it, I was like, Jesus, this is, uh, this is a weird start to the day. But <laughs> it had to be done. It was very necessary. Um, and then I, what did I do? I made myself a nice pasta. I made for myself and my wife. And then I got the train into, I don't live in London, see. So technically I'm kind of on holiday right now. Lovely. I'm on a bit of a, like a day out. Lads holiday. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, it's London. (laughs) Hornsey. Wow. (laughs) People. Um, I live outside of London. So it was, yeah. So I got the train in and. But just to sort of give some notes on that okay you live in that dream area of like you've moved out of london but you're like half an hour away from the city so you get the big house in the country but then also shoreditch house two minutes away yeah although i I, 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 it's very limited now coming into london i I come in for sessions i i go to work and then i go home it's really really rare that i actually come into london and hang out yeah um, which is what I did today. So I met up with a few friends and now I'm here with you guys having a, a bottle of wine. Um, Ian, I've written an introduction for you. Would you like to hear oh it? Oh my God. Okay. I've, ne- I've not written one of these in ages. We used to do this for every single guest. I'd write a big introduction and then I just got a bit lazy and stopped doing it. But I had a bit of time this afternoon, so I've, I've written you an introduction. I mean, the fact that I even warrant an introduction is bizarre. No, but... you do. Okay. You do. Okay. You ready? Uh-huh. <clears throat> guys. We got sparks in the building. Oh, and no, I don't mean that the dangerous dinner studio is on fire. What I mean is we've got legendary Triple Eight frontman Ian James with us. Don't know what Triple Eight is? Puh, you're missing out. Only the best boy band ever. However, you may know Ian better as the man behind every single Little Mix hit. He wrote Read All About It for Emily Sanday, and he made One Direction sound good on The X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> it's writer to the stars and boy band legend. It's Ian James, everybody. Wow, uh, I genuinely don't know what to say to that, but I will take that and run. So yeah, great. Hey, everyone, we got we got sparks in the building. <laughs> Please let's not say sparks any more times. Uh, what about my whole spark section? Okay, yeah, covered? yeah, we'll do a whole spark section. Yeah. No. What about that, Ian? Because I don't want to delete that. Good no. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Let's run with it. Do you know what? No regrets, actually. To be fair. So yeah. Good. Um, before I get going, I just want to clarify something. Actually, what exactly was your role on the X Factor? Because we'll come to this later. But I, what what was the title? I think I've sort of bounced between life therapist, <laughs> psychoanalyst, alcohol provider, mm-hmm. translator, yeah, um, script writer, wow, occasional arranger of music, <laughs> and probably a few more things. So yeah, it very varied. But I, I was officially hired in the first place as a vocal coach which yeah. was bizarre to me because i've never had a singing lesson in my life or more importantly given one yeah um so i was a little bit like i shouldn't really be here mm. um and then it kind of turned into working on the show for six years we'll come back to it okay. uh, ian james welcome to the dangerous dinners podcast thank you thank you for having me um, it's a pleasure next to you you'll find a roulette wheel of the best and worst takeaways delivering to mm. us tonight Whatever it lands on, we gotta eat. Okay. Okay. I'm I am starving, so I'm I pretty much will eat anything. Do you want to go? Shall I go? Shall I do it? Go and give good old fashioned wheel of fortune. Do you ever watch that on Challenge? Just every now and again, yeah. Do you know what's amazing? On is it Challenge? Eleven o'clock, bullseye. Oh wow! Yeah. At night, Jim Bowen. Bringing bringing the um bringing the speedboat. Where do they live? Birmingham. Ian James, spin the wheel. Is spicy curry. Oh, yes. Spicy curry. When you say spicy, you mean like really fucking spicy? I mean, Vindaloo's my guy. Oh, shit. Okay. Here we go. You're going to hear a lot of hiccups. (laughs) Right. I'm going to load up. um, I'm going to load up my food delivery app. I haven't had a curry for a long time, actually. So I'm going to get us a vindaloo. Okay, I mean, listen, I can't, I don't order, so you have to, order, you know, I, I, I hate ordering. So there's a rice on here called bataki rice. It's fish, 
with Bengal fish. Have you ever had it before? No. Then get it. Add it. Add it. I hate getting the same thing. It's like places, you know, when people go to the same holiday destination every year, I'm like, why? Are you you a psychopath? Like, (laughs) it's the same with food. Like, oh, I I just always get the, uh, the number 32. It's like, what? Experiment. You fucking get like, come on. Step outside of the box. Okay, so here's the basket so far, if we're happy. Okay. We've got a vindaloo. Mm. We've got a butter chicken. Mm. We've got a jalfrezi. Mm. The vindaloo and the jalfrezi are extra hot. Garlic naan, peshwari naan, pilau rice, um, the fish rice, onion pakoras, a meaty mix starter, and some plain poppadoms. I'm going to say that I don't think this is going to end well. (laughs) And that's when Ian pooed himself. Yeah. (laughs) That comes to £40. Exactly. At £39.66. Oh. Boom, food's ordered. So to recap, Vindaloo, Amazing. butter chicken, jalfrezi, garlic naan, peshwari naan, pilau rice, batoki rice, onion pakoras, meaty mix, plain poppadoms. Jesus help us. Good luck, everybody. I got a, I've got a, a music industry round of golf tomorrow, <laughs> of which I'm going to poo myself on the third hole. You are going to be sharting yourself around that <laughs> golf course, my friend. Okay. Wow. So the way this podcast works is... A hole in one is going to have a whole different... <laughs> new meaning. Sorry. Carry on. Sorry. Um, the way this podcast works is I've got until the food turns up to really get to know you, Ian James. That's okay. the whole plan. So we know that you were in a band called Triple Eight. We know that you are a very famous writer. But I feel like the best thing to do is start from the beginning. Mm. Okay? Okay. And the beginning tonight I've chosen with... How did you end up in a boy band? How are you? Jesus. Uh, okay, so... I ended up in a boy band because I wanted to hook up with girls, um, <laughs> is the plain and simple answer to that question. I grew up in Bristol and there were no sort of outlets for um, music or any anything like that. We, Bristol has a, a very rich history with, you know, graffiti and, and the arts and stuff. And the, the music scene in Bristol was very, very trendy very sort of drum and bass, trip hop, which was great, you know, Massive Attack and, and all the drum and bass guys. I was really into like American R&B and like vocal harmony groups for, for some reason, I don't know how. Um, and me and my mates just started singing when we were teenagers. It was like singing and football and it was all to impress girls, to be quite honest with you. Right. So we just used to... I always had an ear for like harmonies and, and, and figuring out harmony parts and my mates could hold a tune. So I'd sort of hand out each part to, to each guy and we just used to sort of attract girls and be like, hey, come and listen to us sing. Yeah. And like, I'll make love to you and all that kind of <laughs> like cringy stuff. Um, but it kind of worked because we loved it. We just sort of fell in love with singing um and it kept us out of trouble first and foremost and it was an outlet um for you know i mean it, it growing up in bristol in like the 90s it was just it was pretty pretty rough it was pretty dark and we just used to go to the park and sing and smoke weed and and that was kind of how it really started and how it happened and then it, it before we knew it we were sort of doing gigs and we got picked up or spotted whatever you want to call it by some producers in london came to london started doing some demos the, the classic kind of standard story you know but that's crazy because rightly or wrongly i would have thought you'd been put together mm. i thought the band was a record label goes we've got an idea for something let's find a selection of good looking no, that can sing and we'll make it work it was quite the opposite it took us five years to get a record deal that's crazy you actually hustled like oh, we, old school band style oh listen we we literally banged down doors we we i remember singing outside on the street outside of emi records um we did a we did a showcase for simon cowell in a recording studio where he was sat smoking cigarettes and he listened to us sing and and said I've already got five and Westlife, so what would I need you guys for? Wow. We, yeah, we used to drop demos off at record labels. Like, you know, the, the, the good old 
you know good old times yeah, where you actually days. had to hustle you yeah. know you, you kind of you had to find out who was working where and who who's that a and r who's that you know marketing executive whatever it, it may be we we just used to, used to come up to london every weekend um bunk off school college work whatever it may be it took us years and we just used to just drop our demos off at record labels wow, which so obviously doesn't happen anymore i was gonna say so these are before the days of going viral on tiktok wheels and- before the day <laughs> electricity <laughs> before the roads were built guys that's what Um, it feels like wow so you fully hustled it this is like old school no tiktok no youtube campaign nothing this is handing out demos this was before myspace my friend what this this was yeah this this was in the dark ages wow yeah this was national express uh 040 from bristol to london yeah on the coach m4 dropping off demos that's cool though right um, do you know what it, it it gave me a really good work ethic because we just did we just didn't give up we didn't stop and I think in all honesty if if we would have if we would have been now we probably would have gone oh it's not happened for us like fuck it it's just you know whatever yeah. but we didn't have a choice back then it was like all or nothing so what was the inspiration who did you want to be um, boys to men Jodeci Blackstreet. Like the big pop boy bands. I remember seeing New Kids on the Block and, and then and then Backstreet Boys and then the kind of influx, you know, NSYNC, it, it turned into all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, hold on a minute. This is, there's something in this. Because I thought singing in, you know, four or five part harmony with your mates was, like I said, just going to get you girls and yeah. phone numbers, basically. But when I saw those guys like do massive concerts, I was just like, well, we could do that. That's actually not out of the realms of possibility. Like, that's doable. So I think it started off with the American R&B bands and then it turned into like, okay, take that, you know, E17 and then the Americans, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, holy shit, they're doing a whole performance and a whole show. Like, this is no joke. So I think they all influenced us, to be honest with you. And we've sort of come through a world where... One Direction, who we'll get onto, felt like almost the opposite of what you guys were. They they were didn't want to do dance routines. Yeah. They didn't want to do that. But what you guys did is almost come full circle now. Like that sort of feels like the world we're entering again. When you have that stuff, like TikTok's obviously massive for that sort of thing. So you didn't get a group of mates that only could sing. You got a group of mates who were like, we want to perform. I didn't even get a group of mates who I, they were just my mates. Right. I didn't even say, oh, he can do that. He can do that. He can do it. It wasn't, it was pretty much the most organic thing you could possibly ever. It wasn't, it wasn't strategic at all. They were just my mates who I grew up in the same area as, and we all liked the same music. Yeah. It just so happened that a few of them could sing and a few of them could dance. And then it evolved into, you know, obviously a few fell away and, it, it evolves like most bands do um and it turned into what it turned into which was an unsuccessful boy band. you say that though and we I, I mean i spoke about it at the start tongue-in-cheek but like the more i know about it like you had your moment you two top tens yeah which yeah. is cool you were the front man of that what was the standout moment of being the front man of a pop oh, successful group in the uk without doubt top of the pops wow like performing on top of the pops i mean that was it that was like the pinnacle like i didn't in in my my childhood and my teen like that was that was it you you didn't get any any higher than that so just to just to get on top of the pops i was like i'm done yeah um this is it i mean it was it was terrible it was (laughs) the the worst experience of my life but (laughs) why was it so bad um i was completely drunk no um, yeah and we were shockingly bad <laughs> life um somebody showed it to me recently on youtube and i had to leave the room oh no <laughs> it's literally like okay i didn't actually i knew it was bad i didn't realize it was that bad now we were we was look we were we were untrained we were like literally just kids from i don't want to say the street but we, you know, we didn't go through any kind of performing arts school or anything like that. We were literally just like, okay, 
here we are. We're on top of the pot. Are they, are they sure they've booked the right people? Like, are they, you know, is this legit? Yeah. So there was the feeling of nervousness and like, what the hell are we doing here? Never, ever left. That was always like, okay, we're going to get found out really soon. Is there anything that you wish you did during that period that you never did? I'm a big one for no regrets. Like I, I don't really have any regrets about it whatsoever. I mean, I met my wife and Justin met his wife and you know, we have families now. It's like, yeah. we, got, we got more than we bargained for. Did you smash up hotels though? Um, yeah. Oh no, definitely. We, we definitely, do you know what was really funny? When we came out, we, I remember the first ever interview we did in, in the press was with The Face magazine, okay. which was like an indie kind of rock and roll magazine. And for some reason, they did a piece on us. And we were kind of always given free reign to say whatever we wanted to say. And like I said, the whole time I was like, are you sure? Like, because we really will say what we think. Yeah. I remember... Oh my God, this is so bad. My mum killed me. The, the, the guy who interviewed us was Peter Robinson, who is... Yeah, Pop Justice. Pop Justice. Yeah. He, he's, he's, a, he's a legend now. He's, you know, he's still an, a, a great journalist. And, and he was the first ever journalist who interviewed us. And he said, what's the difference between you, you guys and other boy bands out there? And I think I said, one of us said, I think it's, it probably was me, said... Well, Westlife will give you roses in their in their concerts. We're more likely to take you up the back alley and fuck you up the ass. <laughs> Which kind of set the precedent for yeah, these guys aren't going to be that yeah. successful. <laughs> <laughs> these guys aren't playing the game. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, it was a bit like but I just remember thinking the whole time, like, wait, someone's going to come and pull the plug at any point, right? Like, this this isn't real. So we kind of just said what we thought and kind of did what we wanted to do most of the time. Mm. I hated photo shoots. That was my one thing. I, I fucking hated photo shoots. Wear this. Look like this. Like, you know, look at like that, at that camera. Like, no, I, yeah. I don't want to do that. I guess with a record label and a management team, it was at that point a little bit prescribed to you. Yeah, the whole thing changed where we signed a, a huge record deal with Polydor Records and there was a hell of a lot of money pumped into us and which equals pressure. Yeah. And expectation. And we never felt it, but they did. So it was almost like, yeah, when, when our first single went to number eight, I think, in the charts. And we were like, are you kidding me? Like, top 10. They were like, it wasn't number one. And we're like, oh, right. Okay. okay. Sorry. Right. So then we just had fun, basically. We just, we just decided to just have a laugh. Like, we worked really hard, but we, we had a lot of fun. So in, in the long way around, answer to your question, I, wouldn't, I don't think I would have changed anything or wanted to do anything else than, than what we did i think it was a blessing in disguise that we weren't successful put it that way <laughs> it sounds like you had a good stint though sounds like in a very similar way to me sort of coming from no media training a part of the uk that's in the middle of nowhere and just making a go of this yeah it seems like you had a it's similar the best way who wants to be like programmed and conditioned into like I mean, there's no fun in that. I used to like, I know we'll probably get into it later, but like when I used to work on X Factor, I just used to be like, all I would say to people is just have fun. Yeah. Like relax. Like think about all those hours that you spent as a kid dreaming of like, oh my God, what would it be like if I was singing on a stage or doing an interview or whatever? Like this is it. You're in it. So just fucking have fun. Like yeah, embrace but- it. Um, so you mentioned it, so I feel like we will bring it up at this point. X Factor, vocal mm. coach. Yeah, apparently. I know we've jumped a lot from the boy band to this point, but we'll. I try, I'm going to try and cover everything. But how did you end up getting that gig? Um, okay, so X Factor came about through One Direction. Actually, I got a call from Tyler Brown, who was uh, I think he was like junior A and R at Psycho at the time. And, and this is a guy that went on to run. Sam yeah, Cowell's yeah, yeah, yeah. Label. So he he went on to bigger and better things. Um, but at the start of it, he was kind of, I think he was given the sort of the A&R role of, of One Direction at the beginning. And he called me and was like, they need a bit of help arranging their sort of tour 
um, off the back of X Factor. So they just so okay. So you, they they'd just done X Factor. Yeah. They'd come. I don't know. What did they come? Third. Third. Something like that. It was that amazing year where everyone was Ollie like Mers. really watchable. Oh yeah, it's when it's it was the it year was, that Oli Mers. No, it's the no. year that Harry Styles whispered. It's Matt Cardle. Matt Cardle. It was Matt Cardle. Cher Lloyd. Yeah. Um, there was just loads of like proper pop stars on it. I remember watching it because I, I don't think I'd watched it before then. Like I remember Leona winning it and Alexandra and JLS and stuff. I didn't watch it. But you and remember I, those moments. I, yeah, but I remember watching the One Direction year because I was like, this is really good. Like each, each contestant is like completely different. Do you remember what Harry Styles whispered into Matt Carter's oh, ear? Yeah, he said, you're going to get so much pussy now That's or something. Exactly yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. yeah, which yeah. makes total sense. Well yeah. done, Harold. Um, but yeah, so so Tyler called me and said, look, can you can you come and come down and, and meet the boys? And do you know what? Actually, sorry, going even further back than that, I had done all of their backing vocals um, with Biff Stannard, who's a legend, okay. um, wrote Wannabe and to become one and and tons of other things pop legend and biff worked on the show as as one of the producers and we used to record their backing vocals for them so i'd kind of lay it i'd layer them so they'd sound a bit thicker than they 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 did on the saturday night show yeah so i was aware of them and i watched the show a bit and then yeah fast forward tyler said come down meet them and help them out a bit with their harmony arrangements for for the tour that was coming up um, that would have been the X Factor tour. The X Factor tour, where you sorry. Could go and watch all the contestants. Exactly, before. exactly. And so I did, and I just had so much fun with them, man. They they just re- they really reminded me of me and my mates. Like back in the day, it was they were kind of just like deer in headlights, like, what the fuck is going on? I remember going, I remember being in Soho with Niall and Zane, and Niall was like, let's go to Subway. <laughs> and I was like, okay. He's like, Oh my god, I can't fucking believe I'm in Subway. Let's get a foot long sandwich and so and Zane's like, Yeah, yeah, because they don't have these in Bradford. That's amazing. And I was like, Wow, these kids are like fresh off the boat. Yeah, like, these they are green. Are, they are so green. Like they've got no idea what's potentially about to happen. And I and we I remember we went into a clothes shop and like Niall was buying like loads of t-shirts and stuff and and I was like I, I think he asked to borrow some money or something and I was like do you want to give it a rent and he's like oh it's all right we're going to be like so rich soon and I remember thinking mm, you might not be but then obviously was clearly wrong <laughs> um so yeah anyway I I worked with the boys quite a lot quite intensively for about I guess it was like three four months of getting them tour ready basically because they just their whole experience was just being on the show and being on Saturday night TV and doing an arena sh- a tour is, com- you know, a completely different ball game. So worked a lot with them and then that went really well and then got asked to come on the show basically and, and kind of carry that role on. But it was, it was as a vocal coach, but I never really saw it as a vocal coach. It was more just like a mate you know some, yeah. someone sort of helping them through coaching i suppose but you know not in, in in the technical term more more sort of like performance and the the, the psychological part of it did you end up having quite a good relationship with simon cowell i toward yeah towards the uh, there was definitely the first few years he didn't have a clue who i was <laughs> which i think is normally the case with simon he doesn't really know who most people are yeah um but yeah towards the end we you know i went to his house and i was invited wow. into the inner circle mm. or the death star as i like to call it <laughs> yeah he um, took his mask off yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i got to see the inner workings of it all mm. and um simon's actually a really nice guy he's actually a really funny normal person it's just everything it's like with everything i mean of you course would have, you would have met thousands of people like it like it's everything that comes with it that makes you think that it's like oh my god they're like this or like that it tends to be all the people around them exactly that yeah. are far more inflated and the, and the reputation and, it's just like yeah. you know you sit down with someone we're all just human at mm. the end of the day it's like yeah his life is bonkers and i wouldn't want it for anything but we we actually got on really well and he really kind of respected what i brought to the table and and he you know what he's created I mean, if we go full circle and go back to this recording studio where, where I was, you know, with my band singing in front of him. When he was smoking his Marlboro chain Lights. Chain smoking, saying like, you guys are rubbish. 
you know, we obviously never had that conversation. I never said, oh, by the way, I, you know, <laughs> but you have to respect what, what he created. I mean, it, it kind of worked. Yeah, for a long time. For a long time. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was fun. And it was, like, I always like working with people who have a real clear vision of what they want to achieve, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and he was one of them. It's like, he, he's, he knows what he wants. Yeah. And he normally gets it. When you met One Direction, did you know? Yeah, yeah. I, it's probably cliche, but yeah. 100%. Why? what uh, it's it you know it's it, like the show we were just talking about it's whoever coined the phrase x factor i don't know who it was but they nailed it because it's something you can't really put your finger on you can't categorize it or break it down and say well they're brilliant at that you just you come across people and i know you've you would would have experienced the same thing you come across people very rarely mm-hmm. that just have it it being God knows what. I don't know what it is. And you know one person that does? The Rock. I can imagine. Oh, there is no one like Dwayne Johnson. I can imagine that. There's very few people that I've met. Does he still do the eyebrow though? He's done the eyebrow to me. I made him do the eyebrow to me. The people's. The the people's eyebrow. eyebrow. Yeah. And he's the people's prince. He is that sort of all-encompassing just star. I think it's presence, isn't it? It's just presence. I mean, I you know, I, I I love it. I think it's amazing for someone to have that. Is like, it's such an amazing thing. The difference I found was The Rock had it, mm. and I feel like The Rock it came naturally yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Tom Cruise felt like he'd learned it. Well, I I I definitely feel the same. Like in terms of anyone I've met, I can. You, you can see through the bullshit. You yeah. can see who's trained and who's not. And in answer to your question about One Direction, they certainly weren't trained. Like, no. They, what was weird about them is individually, probably not. They probably didn't have it, it individually, but together, they just, yeah, it was just, it's same with Little Mix, same with a lot of groups that, you know, kind of come across along the way. Like most of them don't have it and some just do. Yeah. Harry has it though. Yeah, Harry's got it. He's, yeah. I mean, he didn't stick out to me at the start. Really? No, he really didn't. He was really quiet. Really, really quiet. I mean, he was he was like, is he the youngest? I don't know, actually. I, I know think he, I think he's, he's the same age as me. We're both 27. He's. I think he's the youngest. I think he was the youngest of the, I mean, Louis was very, very vocal. He, yeah. He's the eldest. He was like the, the captain. But Harry's always been very polite. No. A hundred percent. I remember thinking about all five of them actually when I when I met them properly and like started to get to know them. Is they all come from good stock? I, I remember. I, I remember saying to my wife like, they're all really well brought up kids. Yeah. You know, no matter where they've come from in like class, whatever, they've all got good families behind them, and that was that was really really evident to me. Like all of them, mm. all five of them. Harry is probably one of the most polite people i've ever met I, i've told em this story but i i saw i, I didn't hadn't seen the boys for a, probably a few years and i ended up backstage at the rose bowl in la one of their gigs when they were literally at the peak um i was with julian bonetta and john ryan who were like producing all their all their stuff at, the, at, at that time saw harry sort of talking to a few people and he was talking to mark Wahlberg. Wow, the very famous actor. Yeah. Um, And Mark Wahlberg had his two daughters with him who were clearly like, you know, just in awe and kind of going crazy, kind of, oh my God, it's Harry from One Direction. (laughs) And he was in sort of deep conversation with Mark Wahlberg and then caught eyes with me and sort of went, dude, like, wait there kind of thing. And I saw him sort of say to Mark Wahlberg, okay, just hold on a sec mate i just need to speak to someone and came over and spoke to me and like asked how my wife was and like remembered my wife's name wow. and like i had really young kids at the time oh, how are the kids doing this so i was just like hold on a minute this shouldn't be happening like you're backstage at the rose bowl in la i think it was the third night you know no one had done that since like guns and roses or u2 or something yeah and here's harry getting me a beer out of the cooler asking how my wife is i'm like okay he's he's gonna go far (laughs) he's great um so working on the x factor how controlled was that show in your opinion probably not as controlled as people would perceive it to be because i was one of those like oh it's all you know 
scripted and it's all kind of like you know predetermined and all that shit and it's not it's not at all it's it's the the main thing that struck me was it's television it's not music um and i had to navigate my way through that and and figure that out quite quickly because i i don't come from that world so it was mainly dealing with tv executives that i was like okay right i see now yeah that's why you want him to sing that song that's why you want her to sort of portray that in the performance all that kind of because it's all linked there's with, stories to be it's told it's all linked with vts and you know yeah and, and the stories from her and the, you know that the, the the tissue stories that we all go oh god her, her dad's dying and like you know it is mainly based around that which kind of frustrated me a bit because i was like i'm not really here for that i'm just here to sort of find some great singers and make you know good music kind mm. of thing. so but there is a tv show to be made there's a huge tv show to be made and you know phyllis in grimsby is a real person and this but i i guess you're referring to this is the the, the member of the audience you're playing to phyllis yeah. phyllis in grimsby we all know her yeah um she's a part of most of our families or she lives on the same street um she gets fish and chips every saturday night phyllis yeah of course you know, you've met her I was very aware of Phyllis very early and I kind of carried her through the whole time. And she actually got me through it all because if it wasn't for her, I would have gone, this is all bollocks. And I like, what the hell? Like, we shouldn't be doing this. We should be. No, Phyllis in Grimsby likes this. So let's just carry on with this. So there was a bit of a... I never thought of it like that. Yeah. It's quite a nice way of thinking about it. I mean, I kind of try to do my thing, but I met her in the middle, if that makes sense. So if I kind of uh came up with an idea oh, oh, guys, we should do this song or we should do this arrangement we should do this song in the style of this it would probably be shut down nine times out of ten but then phyllis and grimsby would remind me that wait a minute dial it back a bit and then it'll fit into sort of every box if that Got makes you. sense wow food's here guys that, that was, uh, turtle nose Food's here. I, I love how you've given me an actual chili as well. <laughs> so this is from my local takeaway, my local Indian takeaway. We've got a Jalfrezi and we've got a Vindaloo, Ian James. I mean, let's let's just let's do it. Let's have it. Do you want to have a quick taste? Okay, I just want to get. I, I'm I'm one of these. I like to get one of everything on okay. my fork. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how is it mm, flavoursome mm, that's really good I'm going to have a bit here which includes a whole chilli are you kidding me see that Tom <laughs> that's hot stuff my guy I hope that gets you more listeners and subscribers because Jesus Oh my god. I do like spicy food though, Ian. As you can tell. That was a lot. How are you finding it over there? Oh no, I think I've just had one. Oh no, I've just That's a chili. Oh fuck. Oh no, yeah. Yeah? Here it is. At this point in the podcast. Call the ambulance. We're gonna go to um <laughs> another break. Dog's going, we'll go to a break, we'll come back in a bit. It's the Dangerous Dinners Podcast. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ian, welcome back. Thanks, man. Well, that's the first ever time with a guest we've gone, you know what? I don't want to talk and eat, so let's pause the part. You have to respect the food, man. Yeah. You know, there comes a time where you just have to eat. My mouth is on fire. Uh, anyway, at this point, should we go to the food section of the podcast? Yes, please. Play the jingle. Food. It's the food section. Food. Oh, what a lovely jingle that was. Good stuff, that, right? Amazing. Ian, you are sentenced to death. Uh huh. Um, so you've got a final meal mm, starter, oh, main, shit. dessert. You didn't even prep me for this either. This is like off the cuff. Yeah. Oh, uh, do you know what? The first, and I'm just, the first thing that came to my mind was just an enormous KFC bucket. Because wow. it ticks every box, okay. apart from dessert or starter. Well, not really, because you can get... Can't you get, like, little chicken selects and stuff? And Yeah, or you could get the popcorn chicken yeah, things. Yeah, and a bit of gravy. Like, that could sort of equate to a starter. Yeah, true. Only because I keep on seeing these KFC adverts <laughs> late at night, and I'm like, they kind of make your mouth water. Mm. Like, they really do it. And I keep on saying to my wife... When was the last time we had a KFC? Um, To the point where we've Googled where our nearest KFC is in case of an emergency. So in case we have to jump out of bed, get in the car, go and get a bucket. Get a Zinger Tower. Yeah. And it hasn't happened yet. I'll let you know if it does or when it does. But that's what I'm going for. KFC bucket. Okay. Yeah, just so your starter and main <coughs> all at once. Be I don't want to. I don't want to categorize it. I just want everything at once. Okay. When when we look at the buckets, because mm. I know the KFC menu inside out, are we talking boneless? Are we talking on the bone? Uh, a mix. Okay. Uh, more on the bone because you, there's no. There's, that's where the flavor is. Come yeah. On. Anyone who knows anything about food knows that the flavor comes from the bone. Yeah. So you can give me a. A boneless piece of chicken, so and you give I'll, me like a fillet. But yeah, I really mean, good. I'll eat it, but I'm yeah. not going to be like sucking on it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's it's not going to be the real deal, is it? Then what are you having for dessert? I'm a big, big, big dessert guy. Oh, this is good because most people just run over the dessert. No, go, ah, I think I think whatever. people who 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 um, brush desserts aside are fucking weirdos. Yes. to be honest with you, because I. Listen, I have breakfast and then I'm like, right, what chocolate can I eat? <laughs> like to, to have a dessert after and same with lunch and same with it. So yeah, I'm I've got an incredibly strong sweet tooth. So okay, I think it, the go-to is sticky toffee pudding. Um You wouldn't be the first. Right. Or I can the Im- second. I can imagine that. Or yeah. the third. But to be honest with you, Tom, I could take anything, pretty okay. much anything. The only thing that kind of turns my nose up a little bit is like a fruity kind of dessert, you know, like if you're in a posh restaurant yeah. and, and I'm like, oh, fucking hell, I could just do it a slab of dairy milk. Yeah. But, okay, I'll eat it. But I, I love desserts. I absolutely love desserts. Okay, fine. So I want to go, sorry, I want to go one day in my life, I want to go to a restaurant that just serves, just serves desserts. Those exist. Where? You get like, um, I think they're called Casper's. There's a Casper's down our road, which is like a... Um, what time's it shut? It's open now. We can go. I mean... <laughs> second uh, second order? I'm not even joking. Second I wish we were paid well enough for the podcast <laughs> to afford that. We do one takeaway per guest, and that's pushing it. Um, but I'm going to push you for one. Sticky and, sticky toffee pudding. Fine, say it I'm sorry. I, I, know, I, I know it's boring. I know it's boring. It's a fine choice. I can throw in a dessert if we have just one minute that I've made myself. Yeah, go on. Because but this is the thing with the stick to pudding is it's my choice as well. Okay, so it, I, I mean, can't slam you for it. Yeah, it's a bit cliche though. Right, my sister used to make this thing that I've kind of uh, enhanced. Okay, it's called stuff. Right. Right. Bear with me. 
melted Cadbury's dairy milk. Uh-huh. Whizzed up, crushed up digestives. A tin of condensed milk. What? what? You pour it all in together. You mix it up. It's the stodgiest fucking... It's like concrete. It's like really heavy concrete. And then you put it in a pan, smooth it out, and then put it in the fridge. Oh, wow. And then it's basically like... I guess it's like little brownies, but yeah. it's c- condensed milk, chocolate, digestive. She used to put like almonds in it. I was like, no, f- shut up. Stop trying to make don't, this healthy. Yeah, don't be stupid here. I remember her putting raisins. I'm like, fuck off, get out. No. Three ingredients, that's all so you So hold need. on, so hold on. For people at home, because <clears throat> I think people want it. I think people need to try this. So you'd melt dairy milk. Mm-hmm. You'd then add condensed milk. No. Okay, go on. So you melt Tom, dairy milk. Tom, you can't get the process mixed sorry, up. Sorry, sorry. Right, the dairy milk gets melted. And also in a, in a, a glass bowl yeah, yeah, over yeah. A, a hob. I think, I think not, the, not I think like, don't put it. A, a ban Marie. Sorry, ban Marie. You're much posher than me. Yeah. That's, that's the correct term. Yeah. Don't be putting this shit in the microwave because that's completely disrespectful. Ban Marie. I'm sorry, I've just thought of a really funny joke there. Just say Ban Marie again. Ban Marie. Didn't she release 2002? Brilliant. <laughs> Cheers. Um, she's the next guest on the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bring out Marie and everybody. Um, that should be the first question, though. Have you ever used a Ban Marie? <laughs> yeah. To Anne Marie. Um, <laughs> melted chocolate in a Anne Marie. Yeah. And then digestives and this is where you can really screw it up because if you put too much digestives in then it's just a biscuit fest and nobody wants that it needs to be more chocolate than digestives so you can work that out for yourself mm-hmm. then when that's mixed to a nice consistency you open that magical pot of condensed milk Ooh. that is and always will be so cheap to yeah, buy but so good it's so it always hits this doesn't matter how hard times are how good times are. Mm-hmm. A tin of condensed milk. It got us through the war. It did. It's got probably rationing, it's guys. Pro- it's probably got a lot of people through the pandemic yep. and lockdown. Yep. 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 And it will yep. continue to do so. You know what's so funny is when you came over, we spoke about every single reason why we are not Jesse Ware's table manners. But this is what would go in our cookbook. Well, it's listen, stuff like this. I, I, I think people need to try it. When I mean, it's very simple. Like I said, I'll repeat it. Three ingredients. Dairy milk, and it has to... Don't be buying... Don't buy Tesco's cooking chocolate uh, or Sainsbury's... Get out. Spend a quid, guys. Don't, like... It's just... It tastes like shit. It tastes like American chocolate. Yeah. You need dairy milk. I'll even... I will even bend at ca- uh, Galaxy. But yeah. Okay, so KFC, and then your special... Stuff. Let's... let's Stuff. We're, we're binning it. Sticky Toffee Pudding, because we've had that. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, and this leads... Patented... Qu- yeah, cheers. And this leads us to question two, which is what is your favourite restaurant in the whole world and why? Oh my God. Again, really not prepared for this. And I, I remember listening to James Newman's um, podcast with you and I, you two had a a real thing about the restaurant that I'm not going to try and pronounce. Long Clue. Le- oh, oh. <laughs> I, I'm not as posh as James or you. Cheers. Clearly. Cheers. Um, I'm pretty posh, guys. I'm from Preston. I'm going to say my favourite restaurant. It's not even a restaurant. But... Okay, good. no, good. This is good. Is it allowed? No, totally. Okay, I have two, but they're opposite each other. So that's surely allowed, geographically. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Stokes Croft, Bristol. Whoa. Okay. Right? Rita's Kebab. Wow. Which... If anyone's ever in Bristol on a Saturday night or Friday night or even Thursday night, probably even Sunday, Rita's Kebab on Stokes Croft plays the most banging music loud at the front of the shop. So you can literally have a kebab and a rave at the same time. I love this so much. The garlic sauce there and the chili sauce don't even talk to me. It's ridiculous. It just ticks so many boxes. Yeah. Um, you can sit down inside. They do have tables. So technically it probably is a restaurant. 100%. Um, but that's not where the experience happens. The it experience happens on happens the outside, outside. With the music. Traffic stopping in the street because people are trying to break dance <laughs> whilst having kebabs fall out of their mouths. 
Now, opposite Rita's... Rita's Kebab. Rita's Kebab, Stokescroft, Bristol. Opposite Rita's is a place called Slicks. <laughs> S-L-I-X. <laughs> Slicks Chicken. Yeah. Okay. Hold on, how are you spelling that? S-L-I-X. Is this where you got Sparks from? Mm, I think it might be where they got Slicks from. <laughs> um, now, Slicks Chicken. KFC, great. Miss Millie's... Licking chicken, all of those ones. Yeah, great. Good for you. Well done. Slicks, that's where it's at. Whoa. Okay. So the best thing about those two is you can have a great night out at a concert, a gig, a rave, a club, a bar, a pub, a date, whatever. You can get to the point where you're like, I'm so hungry. Should we get a kebab? Yeah, let's get a kebab. You can get a kebab. Then you can get some chicken chicken wings. Or like just just like a one breast, yeah, yeah or a one leg, bit. you know, like yeah, one bit. Even yeah. the chips are good, Tom. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's just the magical sort of divide of like you're one minute you're outside Rita's and then you smell the chicken from literally ten yards across the road and yeah. you go to Slicks and you're kind of drawn to the it's it's magical. I, I sorry, I sorry, a long clang, it's Rita's kebab. Slash chicken. Slicks chicken. Um, that was the food section. Thank you. So you've worked with a lot of artists in the time in your time. Who's the most artistic artist you've ever come across? Who's the most really creative room you've ever been in? Wow. Um, I've been really lucky to work with a lot of artists, but I've also been really lucky to work with a lot of producers who I always. I mean, when I was growing up, I always thought I was more interested in who made the music as well as who sang it. For example, there's an amazing documentary on Netflix about David Foster, who is the man behind Whitney, Celine, like all those massive, huge ballads that the world spins on. He is that guy. He's the brain. Yeah. Um, And I'm sort of more amazed by the that kind of creativity than artist creative i mean i've worked with incredible artists definitely i mean emily was great emily sande is amazing she's extremely creative and and she was for a minute she was everywhere yeah she was she had a real she had a real moment and she and she's 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 just really really talented and she's an incredible person and it kind of comes through in her work but in in answer to your question the the, the people that stick with me personally it's, it's probably not the artist. It's more the producers and other songwriters I've worked with. Like there are, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of artists that I've worked with that I think are incredible, but I'm, I'm more moved and more impressed by the creators, mm. you know, the co-creators was. Cause there's a whole industry behind the faces. Yeah. And you know. never get to, no. you never get to see. It's only really now, you know, that you're that, that you're kind of seeing behind the curtain you, you're seeing the wizard you yeah know, in 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 the wizard of oz whereas before you never really got to see how things were made now you do and i'm really jealous of like kids to, like my kids can hear the story of how records were made whereas when i was growing up it's like no one knew how a prince record was made like it was just it just there it was, was there. it was mystical yeah. you know and you're the man behind arguably one of the biggest songs in recent memory you helped produce emily sunday's biggest banger yeah um hopefully you're talking about read all about it. yeah of course with <laughs> professor green yeah that was amazing and and really um really straightforward and kind of didn't had no idea it was my i think it, that was my first experience of being a songwriter of of having no idea how the hell this became what it became right you it didn't know like at the time not even one inch of did i you know i was like uh, i'll tell you what it was it was me and a friend of mine ben con who's part of tms who are an amazing production and writing team very successful um and we had a day of just writing chorus ideas so we wouldn't really write a whole song we just sort of almost in the sort of motown mold where I, I I remember reading that they just they just write ideas so they just like get an idea down a melody idea or attached to a lyric or concept idea and then move on right and then get another one down and then move on and then move on and then almost like sift through it the next day and and search for gold 
because fresh ears is always a great thing if you list, listen to something back two or three days later it's like oh shit that was really good james newman taught taught me all about fresh ears we got well, a fresh ears this james newman knows about fresh ears Gotta walk away, gotta see what this is tomorrow. Yeah, no, it's a real thing. I mean, Max Martin is the is the Jesus of our generation and yeah. he swears by fresh ears. So whatever Max says, I I concur. The long haired lover from Sweden. Oh yeah. Jesus. Jesus, yeah. yeah. The Swedish Jesus. Um but it is a real thing, and that's what happened with Read All About. We we just wrote I think it was in and amongst maybe seven or eight, nine maybe ideas and we listened back to it the next day and that stuck out and we sent it to um pro professor green um and glenn his a and r and they loved it and we were kind of like really okay we thought the other one was actually all right as well um and next thing we knew emily was singing on it she was like a new artist just coming i knew who she was from being a songwriter because she'd written for other people um and then heard her version i was like wow Okay, that sounds amazing. They were they were actually trying to get Bruno Mars on it. Wow. Um, it was around the time of um, Beautiful Girls yeah, All yeah, Over yeah. the World. So he was kind of just coming out. And I remember there was talk of getting Bruno Mars on it. Um, and it, for whatever reason, didn't happen. And Emily, I mean, as soon as we heard her voice on it, it was like, shit. Okay, this is something. Yeah, we got something. Yeah. And yeah, it kind of it kind of blew up. Like it was huge. Yeah, and we didn't we the whole time we were just like, huh? It's kind of what I was saying about my band earlier. Like the whole we were just like, wait, this bubble's gonna like this balloon's gonna be burst. Yeah, sometime now, right? And like, no, it's Glastonbury and it's the Olympics and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. What a moment! But the whole time I was watching it like everyone else, just like, oh god, this song again? Like really? Now, you don't have to answer this, and this isn't written down. That song, right? So you're a writer on it. And yeah. that's arguably, at that point, was one of the biggest songs in the world. Um, at least in the possibly. UK. Yeah, definitely in the UK, yeah. How rich do you get off something like that? <laughs> um, probably not as much as you think. Could you retire on that? No. Right. No. Well, I couldn't, no. I have two kids and a wife and <laughs> a wife who likes expensive things. So. Sure. No, no, no. I don't. I mean, look, it's hard to, well, first of all, it's hard to equate because it's over a long period of time. So yeah. it's not like, oh, I earn X amount that year from that sort of, you know. And also going forward, you're the guy that wrote Emily Sunday's biggest tune. So that holds some credit going forward from yeah, that point. Yeah, I think it's, I, I've always thought your, your whatever hit, you were lucky enough to write or be a part of it's not about that it's about where the next you know the 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 following door that it opens um so it's kind of like a step almost so okay okay i wrote this and that's done really well but that's now led to that and that yeah and that that's now led to that 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 it's like with any industry or business it's 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 it multiplies if you play it right Mm. and, and you know if you if you kind of do your job right and you give a, a true representation of yourself, you know, it, it can multiply. So I've never really looked at, oh, that song earned me that kind of much money. It, I've more looked at it as, as, okay, that got me into that room. That right. Yeah. That yeah, room. yeah that's now fair. I have this relationship with that person, that person, that person because of that. But that it did sense. buy you nine Ferraris. Um, eight. eight. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. thought it was eight. It was always eight. Um, so you worked on that gym with Emily Sunday and Professor Green. Um, Professor Green, not my favourite rapper that you've worked with. Mm. Okay. Can you name some of the rappers you've worked with? And I'll try and point out whether it's my favourite one mm. that you're talking about. So it's not Professor Green. We know that. Interesting. Right. Okay. Not Professor Green rappers rappers in the truest sense uh, of the word i've got, uh i did a song with wretch three two not wretch three two uh, not right now i like wretch but not wretch three two all right let me think um can't be two pack that was no no it was before i think it was after two pack uh after well after two right, after okay. your two pack work okay. yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. after your kanye stuff and wait, your chance wait. the rapper stuff it wasn't um no shit end ups was um i don't know what you ugh, i can't think tom in it's when you went with honey g oh okay right h okay. to the o to the n to the e to the into the y it's honey g yeah 
You so just to fill everyone in, you wrote Honey G's biggest banger, right? I don't think I can claim credit for that. <laughs> just out of you know, she, I wasn't with her when she created the the bit, the thing. Yeah, yeah. What was the thing? I forget the thing. I'm not entirely sure myself, and I was there, and I kind of still don't really know what the hell that was. All I remember is doing the. Uh, what was that thing where everyone stopped and, and went like that? Mannequin. Oh, the mannequin challenge. We did that yeah. on X Factor. <laughs> live. On Saturday yes, night TV. Yes, yes. I, I made Louis Walsh go like that. <laughs> Hold on. This is you, right? This is you. Hold on. I don't know where this is you. Was this you? Uh, I, I I don't think it was you. Know. That bit was. That's the bit. That, that, that the bit that the honey G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah, the bit. Yeah, yeah. Listen, alcohol has a very large <laughs> thing to say about certain things. That's what I can say. You know. Money pays, right? Mortgages are... Mortgages don't pay themselves. They're hard out there. Yeah, know? man. It's hard out there. <laughs> so that didn't provide anything towards my mortgage. So it's, <laughs> it's not even worth talking about. No, um, big up Honey G and the moment that she shone for the, the five minutes. And yeah. it was very enjoyable. And the mannequin challenge actually was a thing. and It was a huge thing. I, I remember that. I, do you know what? I actually, yeah, that... Now you've brought that back. We had the the ITV commissioner, the head of ITV, saying, no, you cannot do this. No way. And we were like, yes, we can. Because we're rebellious and we're rock and roll. And we're not really. It's Honey G. But we're just trying to make a point of, you know. What was this? What was the Mannequin Challenge song? No, it was, it was so, like a Drake track. No, or it was like it was. Oh, you'd have to Google it. Hold it was on. So bad, but everyone did it, and it was. I saw Mannequin. Hold on, M A double N. Yeah, E Q U I N. Mannequin Challenge. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah. Here you go. Here you go. Yes, this Black Beatles. Yeah. Everyone was doing it. Like, yeah. Literally, Eskimos were doing it. He was in the city running up to Italy. Like, who decided? Who was like, I know what we should do. Everyone should just freeze <laughs> and like not do anything. Oh, it was really weird. Um, Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Dangerous this podcast tonight. Before you go, and it, this feels like a nice place to write with the Honey G stuff and the food. And <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Um, what's been your career highlight so far? What's been the one thing that really stands out? In all honesty, any time a song that I've had a part in writing is played on the radio, it's that that always gets me and always hopefully will because... I think it's the hard, one of the hardest things to achieve in this industry, mm. especially now. Um, so not not really one thing, just, just any time I hear a song that I've been a part of on the radio, you know, that millions of people will be hearing at the same time is, is like a big enough tick for me. And without blowing smoke up your a-hole, that's been a hell of a lot of songs. <laughs> it's been a few, hopefully a few more to come. So yeah, it's, I can't complain. I've been very, very lucky. What is next? What's the plan? What's the thing? Well, the plan next is hopefully for my sort of own um, input into developing artists. Um, so having having a part in 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 my own artists, basically yeah. coming out. Um, that that is the next plan. Um, so you being the Simon Cowell figure with well, the smoking I, cigarette and saying, really, not, "We've already got five. Yeah, not not really. I I I I don't think I'll be that cutting but no i just just mean in terms of the de the development and just you know you know finding artists myself and and kind of developing them with my friends and and doing my own thing and not really just being a a bit part in artist career you know I, yeah. I'd, I'd love to experience being there from the beginning right to the end and and seeing it through and and being 
part of that. That's that's kind of one thing I'd really like to fulfil. Ian James, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for stepping by the Dangerous Dinners podcast. Thank you for having me, man. The longest record we've ever had. It's at one hour oh, 53 no, right, right now. It will be edited down. You, you won't be listening to one hour 53 of that. Thank you so much. Tonight, the wheel landed on spicy curry. How was your vindaloo? I'm How was right. your jowl phrasing? I think I'm going to be all right. Yeah, wait till tomorrow, my man. I don't know. An a-hole on fire. <laughs> don't they say? <laughs> Guys, don't they say? Ian James, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is the Dangerous Dinners Podcast. Ah, very good. Very good. Another one done. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back maybe next week, maybe the week after. We'll try to work out what to do with the schedule, whether to do every week or every other. Um, Dunno. Dunno, guys. It's all casual here in podcast land. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And uh, if you liked what you heard, scroll down, give a rate and a review. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And I will see you same time next time for another episode of the Dangerous Dinners podcast.